right, on this May 12th, a little after 6 o'clock. Take you right up until 6.30. Gita's final game uh, tonight from Boston. That's Susan and John. We'll take you uh, through that this evening. More Jeter all the time. You get that. You know, uh, soon they'll go through every game in Jeter's life if they uh, have enough time. Uh, you know, hey, listen, they might, the way things are going. Uh, Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program brought to you by those who drink it on this, as we said, Tuesday evening. And again, uh, you're hoping you're hoping a lot that... Uh, the players and the owners can get together. Uh, at least right now you have a positive thought about it. You don't want to get angry about it. And like I said, they are playing with fire here because uh, they don't realize there's not going to be a whole lot of tolerance. Not in this with what's going on in the world. Is there going to be a whole lot of tolerance uh, with you know greedy owners, greedy players, and, and whether or not they can get together and figure out uh, how to get a – you know, get a job done and, and get basically back on the field. Um, and the early volleys have been predictable, if not promising. And again, you can't expect that much out of the opening salvos. But again, uh, you would hope, you really would hope that they would be in a situation where they would use some common sense and understand exactly what's going on in the world, understand where the country is right now. And the country's got a lot more to worry about whether the baseball players and the owners get together and play baseball this year. Uh, you'd love to have baseball back. You'd, like, you'd welcome the entertainment and the diversion. But you're not going to have a lot of tolerance for uh, greedy players and greedy owners getting together and, and arguing about who's going to take the lion's share of the money. Uh, because that's what it comes down to. That's all, that's all it is. You know, yes. We're cutting revenues. Yes, we're going to deal with this package of revenue. We're going to have this pile. We're not going to have this pile. We're not going to have the gate receipts. We're not going to have hot dog and beer money and uh, parking lot money and all that stuff. Uh, so we're only going to have this pot of money right here. We're going to have the money from the teams. We're going to have the money from you know the local broadcast and from the uh, radio if they can get that done, and uh, that'll be it. And a couple other things, some secondary and tertiary uh, revenue streams. But for the most part, the gate receipts, which is about $4 billion a year when you count all the little you know, throw-ins, like concessions, it's about $4 billion a year, and that money's going to be gone. So owners can talk one thing. Players can talk another. Uh, they can hit each other with catchphrases that annoy each other. They can uh, tweak each other a little bit, annoy each other. But like I said, the public is not, not going to have a – a very, very long or very patient approach when it comes to that. There's not because it's just not the time or the place. So, you know, as an athlete, as an owner, to someone who so much has been given, I don't care what, who you are as an owner, either whether you were born wealthy or you've gone out and made the money yourself. Either way, Things good fortune has shine, has you know shown down on you. If that's the case, then you know what. Be a little gracious right now. Same thing with the players. Uh, if you've been given the gifts that allow you to be that kind of athlete, where people are going to throw a lot of money at you, you know what. Understand that, and understand that right now is not the time. Not the time or the place. It's about getting back on the field this year, even if you have to sacrifice. And that's a tough word for players and for owners. I know sacrifice is a very tough word. Accepting less than you're used to is a very, very tough concept. But right now, it's the only concept that will work with a public that will lose patience very, very quickly. And on the 
other side of this, baseball, football, the winter sports, try to tiptoe back in on a very slippery slope where they're trying to reopen these cities. They're trying to reopen these metropolitan areas. They're trying to figure out what will take and won't take, what's pushing the envelope, what's not pushing the envelope. How much can you push it? How much can you allow people to congregate? How much can you step on the accelerator and not have the pandemic rear its ugly head? We don't know. We don't know. Will we have football in September? Who knows? Will we have a baseball season this year? Who knows? The guy who was the number one doctor in the country for it basically said, you know, testified before Congress this morning from a remote area and said, hey, the virus is in charge. We're not in charge. It will make the decisions. We won't. And that's the truth. Nobody's making the decisions. Not the president, not the Congress, nobody. Not the owners, not the players. Nobody's making the decisions here. The virus is still in charge. It's in charge until they have a drug that can kill it. Until then, it is still calling the shots. And you just keep your fingers crossed and hope against hope that what you're going to try works. That you bring in the players back, they come back without incident. That you bring in the players back and play in an empty stadium allows you to get it done without players getting sick, without other people who you're going to deal with and come in close contact with every day get sick. That you at least have a climate that you can live with. Now, it sounds like this cold, chilly weather, and it's still been that, still was that again today, is coming to an end in the next couple of days, and we might actually go from basically the chill of a late winter to the searing heat of summer because it should be, you're going to go from 40 in the morning to 80 in the afternoon in about two days. That's what we're hearing on Friday. That's going to hit in the 80s. So we never saw a spring. We're going to see summer uh, maybe in a couple of days. And you know what? I'll take that. Give up on looking for spring. We're going to be able to find it anywhere. But it sounds like summer may be right around the corner back after this. All right. We'll squeeze a couple of calls in if we can before the bottom as we take you right down to uh, 6.30 this evening. And then, of course, uh, you'll hear Jada's last game. From Boston, Susan and John will, uh, you know, go through all the details with you as uh, we live uh, the uh, captain's final game with the uh, Yankees as we hopefully, hopefully start to move towards some baseball. And in case you haven't paid attention, you know what the, what the proposal is. 82 games, 14 teams make the playoffs, they had the extra wild cards, uh, they'll play the playoffs into November. They want to be done, though, by the time what they think will be the cold weather comes. Um, DH in both leagues. You knew that was coming. I don't think there's any... I asked this of Duquette yesterday. I don't think there is a hard liner like there... They used to be, they used to be NL owners who would 
you know, basically make proclamations that they would they would die before they would allow there to be a DH. You know, the old hard liners, the you know the you know the Gussie Bushes of the world, the uh, Ruley Carpenters of the world. You know, the uh, even I'm not sure how I'm not sure how Adam and O'Malley was about it. I'm not sure how how adamant they were about it, but there was a lot of that talk. I don't think there's anybody now who I think would be in that that really that militant group where he's going to you know go crazy, draw a line on the stand, do anything he can to make sure that the uh, DH doesn't come to the National League. And it's been the biggest fraud in the world anyway. Even the purists who have argued it. And, you know, there's always the NL types who are like, oh, I, I can't live with baseball. That's that way. Yeah, you want to see the pitcher stroll to the plate and strike out and, you know, and basically take the third pitch with the bases loaded. You know, the you know, second and third, the pitcher walks the eighth batter and then – the, the pitcher comes up and, you know, takes the third pitch for a strike three smiling and the catcher flips him the ball. So it was an automatic out, you know, to get out of the inning. Those innings you don't get out of any American League. And um, I understand there's a little more strategy and you can, you know, you've always got that uh, bump, but the bump's not part of baseball anymore. Let's be honest. It's not. You know, the bump is gone. So that part of it's gone. Number, number two... They've used it in spring training. They've used it in uh, games that are played between the leagues. And it's the only league in the, that doesn't play it anyway. So to me, the die has been cast a long time ago towards that one. And this was an easier way for them to get that through. Fooling around with the idea. Now, this does surprise me that they would present anything that would look like a salary cap. Because that is, you know that's a non-starter. You know, no matter how you want to dress something, you don't want to dress it like it's a salary cap, because salary cap is is. Let's be honest, you know, salary cap is not happening. It's just not happening. So that those are those salary caps fighting words. You know that going in. I mean, that that just can't happen. And there's no reason for it to happen. Just call it a revenue split. Dip into a couple of the pools that you don't want to dip into. Give them a little bit of the baseball gambling money from the sites. Uh, whether it's just all sites or whether it's sites that deal with games so that you only get the money that's actually generated at stadiums. Although there's not going to be any kiosks right now because you don't have any fans in the stadium. That day's coming, but it's not there yet. And come up with a generous, or if generous is the wrong word, come up with a livable, acceptable, non-confrontational plan that allows the players to dabble, to completely dabble in the, in the playoff money. Allow them to at least wet their beaks in the playoff money. Just a little bit. So that they feel a little better about that. And you're going to create more playoffs. You're going to create more rungs of playoffs. I mean, so from that standpoint, the regular season has been cut down dramatically. See, 
when you give them a nod towards protecting something and then try to take it back a couple of months later, it's very hard to do. And that's why you have to be you – know, when you're dealing with these kind of negotiations, you always have to be careful. Even when you close a chapter like they did with the first two months, you've got to be very careful with what you promise because it will be something that they will grab onto very, very strongly the other side and take that to the mat because they want to prove a point. And that's where it seems. That's where it seems we might be right now. But you would think. Now, I have no question that the players and the owners are bright enough to realize what the climate is. The question is, do they care? They know which way the wind's blowing. The question is, do they care? They know what the public's going to feel, what the public's going to say. The question is, do they care? They, must, they might not care. They might say, my way or the highway. We're going to find out. You always have to test resolve in these situations. You have to t- test the players, and then they have to test the owners. That's always part of this. Your job is to test resolve. All right, we'll squeeze it. We'll try to squeeze a couple in uh, before we uh, go to the Jeter game with Susan and John. Um, Richard in Manhattan. Go ahead, Richard. What's up? Mike, the other day you mentioned the Yankees didn't draw in the 60s. They only drew that one year 60. I never no, what, what I what I said was I was talking about a game where they drew 18,000 on, on, on Mother's Day Sunday. Yeah, two years and ago. the Yankees, first of all, the, the sport was a different sport then. Nobody drew. People think back in the days of the 50s that people drew these enormous crowds. It's not true. It's not true. The Mets outdrew the Yankees. Right, oh, the Mets outdrew the Yankees. The Mets outdrew the Yankees every year. Every year. Yogi Berra for the reason they wanted to combat Casey Stengel's popularity with the Mets. So they figured, but Casey, see, Casey didn't love the media. The media loved Casey. Casey. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't even that. It was that you know New York was always a nationally town, and and the want, my, and my, the. George Weiss did not want the Yankee hats to be sold. He thought it. Yeah, but listen, you're going, you're going way back now. George Weiss, you're going way back. You're going back into the fifties. But the point is this: is that the point is that they they thought, and thanks for the call, they thought that promoting players cost them money. So there was never any promotion of the players. But it was a different world in those days. Teams didn't draw. If you go back and look at what the teams, when they had three teams, what they drew, you would be shocked. A couple of years ago, the Yankees and the Mets drew 7 million fans. They never drew anything like that. The Yankees never drew 2 million fans until the 90s. Never. Late late 80s team might have drawn 2 point something. They never drew 3 million fans until the great teams of the 90s. And they only drew 4 million fans for two years. Now they can't fit 4 million anymore. But, you know, the stadium's too small. But, you know, because they've streamlined all the stadiums. But the only years they drew 4 million was when Avon came. 
it w- these days when teams would draw, th- the Mets drew three and the Yanks draw four. You know, the Mets drew a three, three and the Yanks draw four. I mean, those they never drew like that in the old days. Never. When the Yankees, you go back in the attendance, you know, the day Maris, think about it. Maris is going for his 61st home run. There's 23,000 people in the stadium. If you had done that now, you'd be scalping tickets. The game would be a complete sellout. You'd be scalping tickets. Forget it. They drew 23,000 people. Mother's Day, 67. Now, remember, Mother's Day, 67, the Yankees were not a great team. They were coming off a terrible year. It was a dreary day. But they drew 18,000 people. That's how different it was then. It was unbelievably different how different the crowds were. It's amazing. You know, everyone thinks of the 50s as being this, you know, glory time of baseball. And it was in a lot of different ways, but teams did not draw the way you think of teams now. The sport, the way it draws now, or drew in, in the modern era, you know, in the last 20 years, is like a different world than what they drew in the 50s and the 60s. When the Yankees were winning world championships in the early 60s, they would draw 1-1, 1-2, 1-3. That was it. With great teams. With Mantle and Maris breaking home run records. With Whitey Ford and his, you know, guy out of the bullpen, Louis Arroyo. With, obviously, you know, a wonderful team with Kubek and Richardson and Boyer and Howard and Berra and Blanchett and Mantle and Maris and Hector Lopez. And, I mean, it was just, you know, player after player, a wonderful team. You know, a great, you know, 61 teams, one of the great teams of all time. Didn't draw. And then when the Mets got hot, the Mets drew as a novelty act, as kind of a fun thing, you know, in the early 60s. And then when they started to get better, they drew because they were now a real team. They were, they were a fun team. They were a big deal. And Yankees never drew. It's amazing how, how different the sport was in, in the 50s. It was, it's amazing how different it was. And remember, you had a lot of afternoon games in those days. And people worked. It was a completely different world. I mean, you know, now, the one thing in the summer now, the Yankees in the last 20 years had always done well when they play those Thursday afternoon games in July and August, especially August in, in Yankee Stadium, they would always draw great crowds on them. I would always be amazed at those, uh, those Thursday afternoon crowds. You know, they'd be playing in Toronto on Thursday afternoon, draw 48,000 be like, man, how is there 48,000 here today? I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's the way it is. I mean, when you see those Yankees of the late 90s, early 2000s, those teams drew enormous amounts of people, crazy crowds. The stadium was full every day. Such a different world. You know, such such a, you know, such a, such a complete different world. Remarkable how different it is. I talked to Jay Harwood today. He's got a book coming out on his years with the Mets. And I can tell you, um, he's going to be on with me next Monday. So Jay, who is beloved 
with Met fans and also with the Met players. They worshipped him. And he had 50 years with the team. He's got a, he's got a uh, book out, Mr. Met. And if you're a Met fan, you want to get a copy or you want to get that Met fan in your, in your life a copy because, I mean, if you have a Met library, this book has to be in it because Jay is part and parcel of, I mean, he is as much a part of the Mets as anybody over the last 50 years. He is part of the Mets. That's all there is to when you When I think Mets, I think Jay Harwis. That's it. And he was there forever. And the players loved him. And uh, so he's got a book coming out. Comes out this week, and he will be with. I spoke to him earlier today. He will be with me next Monday, and we'll chat about. Or I, I haven't seen the book yet, so I don't. I don't know what stories he put in and what ones he didn't. Uh, but I'm sure you know he's got a quirky sense of humor to begin with. So I'm sure there's some uh, very crazy, you know, some really wild stories in there. So we'll have some fun with that. As he will join me uh, early next week with that coming up. As we said, uh, Susan and John have Jeter's final game tonight from. Fenway Park. If you listen to the uh, Robin Hood thing last night, they did a great job. First of all, it was well done. Billy Joel did a great job at the finish and raised over $120 million in an hour. I mean, that is unbelievable. It really is. So congratulations to them and to everybody who uh, gave any part of it. I don't know who won that giant thing. I don't know if they announced that today, but if you won it, congratulations. Uh, you got the Giants coming over your house for a uh, flag football game and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So I didn't hear who won it. Casamigos Tequila brings you the program as they do each and every day. We thank them for that. Brought to you by those who drink it. We'll see you tomorrow. Jeter's last game is next.